that the closing bell? <laughs> uh, we'll, I'll say a few words before that. Uh, it is good to be here with you all again tonight. And good to be with you this weekend. Um, always feels like a, a big job ahead of me. I know um, some of you that are used to these things, this uh, weekend is a minor detail, but um, it does end up coming quickly and moving, th moving f very quickly too throughout the weekend. A lot of ground to, we've covered a lot of ground last night and this morning and hoping that by God's grace that you have been able to absorb a little bit and maybe something something stuck out to you new, something that you've uh, possibly never thought of in Joseph's life, or just, the, again, the encouragement of how Joseph was able to remain faithful in his, uh, in the hardships that he faced in his life. So thank you again for allowing us to be here, especially thank you, Marlon and Lisa, for letting us stay with you all. It was we had a good time there, and um, it's good to see some of our family from Union Valley here tonight, too. It's a blessing to have you here to worship together. I appreciate your support. So we kind of ended this morning abruptly um, with Joseph making provisions. He had identified himself to his brothers, and of course, uh, I think there was a lot of, I'm sure there was a lot of emotions and, and uh, varying uh, feelings that the, the brothers had to experience when they realized that this man that had been trying them, that had been testing them, that had been accusing them of being spies, turned out to be their, their blood brother. And then he finally allows them to, or uh, reveals himself to them and wants to bless them and wants to provide for them, telling them that they were only, what, a third, not even a third of the way through the, the famine. Two years, they were into two years of the famine with several more to come, and he wanted to make sure that his family was provided for. And of course, now we get into, uh, I think we're up to chapter 46. Uh, Joseph had made arrangements with his brothers. In chapter 45, giving him instructions and then also telling Pharaoh. And, of course, Pharaoh was all about, he was excited, too, about this prospect of having his prime minister's whole family come to Egypt. And so they sent wagons and supplies back to Canaan. And we come into chapter 46, and I think it's interesting that in uh, Jacob had not ventured down to 
to Egypt at all. And you see in the beginning of chapter 46, it says Israel took his journey. He began heading south towards Egypt, it says, with all he had, and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifice unto, unto the God of his father Isaac. And then verse 2 is a confirmation to Jacob. It says, God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here am I. Just like his grandfather had many, many years before when God had asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Here am I. Can I say that in my, in my spirit when God calls Jacob was in tune. He was ready to listen. In verse 3 he says, I am God and the God of, my, of thy father. Fear not to go down to Egypt, for I will there make thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. That last phrase there, Joseph shall put his hand upon your eyes, don't, don't know for sure if Jacob knew exactly what God was meaning by that, but it turned out that Jake, uh, Joseph would be present when uh, Jacob took his last breath. And uh, So God promised, again, uh, I think he was reminding Jacob, Israel as he called him here, of the promise he had given to his grandfather already, that he would make a great nation of him. You know, in spite of the famine, in spite of all the things they were up against at the moment, things looked kind of bleak. So there was, they probably had friends and, and neighbors around that maybe even had died because of starvation, because of the lack of food. And uh, Jacob, not sure what, what all he, sh he should be doing, but his, his sons bring back this good news that his son Joseph, his beloved son Joseph is alive and that Joseph has made a place for them to, to spend their days, spend the rest of Jacob's life living in a land of plenty. So after this vision, after God spoke to him, you see he continues on traveling down to Egypt and Again, we don't know exactly how long it took, but it was quite a journey. It was there was a lot of a lot of uh, activity going on with that wagon train. It was there had to be quite a sight to watch with all the cattle, all his children, all their all his sons' wives and children. And it does give a it was approximately 66. In one verse it says 66, and then in the next verse it uh, includes Joseph and his family. So there was at least 70 that resided in Egypt. 70 coming into Egypt and probably close to 3 million that left Egypt in about 400 years. God's promise to his chosen people They finally get to Egypt after their journey. And Jacob sends Judah ahead to contact Joseph. And Joseph gets in the 
gets in his limo, the second chariot, and heads up and is finally reunited after 13 years. Can you imagine what that reunion was like? In verse 29, it says, Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen. He presented himself unto him and fell on his neck, and they wept on his neck a good while. There was no words recorded here, just, uh, just a special time of a, of a reunion between father and son. Over, overwhelming, I'm sure, for always for Jacob and, and Joseph, but I believe also for his, his family to, to witness this. Then uh, Joseph goes on and gives further instruction. You see, his, uh, he tells them that they're going to meet with Pharaoh, and he instructs his brothers. He, he picked five of them to go with him, all along with Jacob, to meet Pharaoh. And he said to, when Pharaoh asks you what your occupation is, tell him you're shepherds, which was true. They were, they were cattlemen. They were herders of sheep. And interestingly to me that shepherds were an abomination to the Egyptians. Again, I see in God's provision and the wisdom he gave to Joseph and understanding another blessing of him being in Potiphar's house those years, he, would, he learned what the culture of Egypt was the importance of how the government worked not obviously not realizing that he would be part of that in the future but again God's provision Joseph knowing full well that the Egyptians looked very much down on men that were shepherds and in this way Pharaoh was was very much very Satisfied to have them in Egypt, but also in, in the providing the land for them, they, they got some of the best land in Egypt, in Goshen, which was interesting to me that uh, how that went over with some of the natives there. I, I wonder someday, some, sometimes how that uh, turned or set with some of the natives. But regardless, they were given some of the best land and... It was more or less, it wasn't actually with a lot of the populace of, of Egypt. They were more or less separated from, from Egyptian culture. And I see that separation as God's provision to keep his people from integrating with the heathen culture there in Egypt. Just a blessing again of how God provided for the Israelites. And two, as uh, in my studies, I've found where some thinking was that with them spending time in Canaan, if they would have ended up being, having stayed in Canaan, living there, there's a very real possibility they would have lost out to being integrated with the, the people of Canaan, the, the heathen nations of, around them in Canaan. 
So again, the, the, the wisdom of God providing for them during this time of no food, being able to be produced, and the provision that he gave through Jacob's son. Then chapter 47, we already looked at the first part of that where they met with Pharaoh, and see in verse Verse 7, he, uh, Joseph introduced his father to, to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh interviews him there. He says, how, in verse 8, he says, How old art thou? Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days and the years and pilgrimage of my, of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. And have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their pilgrimage. Not sure that I could agree with, if I'd lived 130 years, I'm not sure that I'd say a few. But as we get older too, it does feel like time goes a lot quicker than it used to. But he felt like few and evil are the days of the years of my pilgrimage. But I think, looking at the end of this story, I think some of that was redeemed through his experiences with his family there in Egypt. Yes, he did face a lot of hardships in life. He had, he had caused a lot of hardship in other people's lives. But again, the God's mercy in Jacob's life and he was able to spend his last days with, with his family complete. Verse 10 says, Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. So Jacob, or Joseph, verse 11, moved all of them into Goshen. They got settled in. And also Pharaoh wanted some of the best. Of, he wanted to know if there was, he would take some of the best cattlemen from, from Joseph's clan to take care of Pharaoh's cattle. So that was some ready work, ready and willing to be used there. It was interesting to, again, the, how much faith and trust Pharaoh put in these uh, foreigners. Again, the, the blessing God, God uh, gave to them because of their faithfulness. Verse, uh, sorry, back to chapter 48 then. Jacob basically adopts Ephraim and Manasseh. In the first part of that chapter, Joseph brought them to him, hearing that someone relayed a message to Joseph that Jacob was not feeling well, and they realized that he probably wasn't going to live too much longer. Joseph brought his sons, and, and Jacob blessed them, adopted them, uh, considered them equal with, he specifically mentions Reuben and Simeon here. And we know that from later on that Ephraim and Manasseh were, were given plots of land in, in, the, in the promised land instead of uh, 
actually Simeon and Levi, I think, were, in a, were interspersed throughout Canaan because of their sin. And we see that uh, the blessings that Jacob gave, the, the prophecies and blessings that Jacob gave to his sons in, in chapter 49. He goes through and um, basically tells each of his sons what, is, what they can expect in their future and two that stuck out to me were Judah and Joseph the rat, they, these two have the most said about them uh, of all the boys in this chapter in verse 8 uh, J- Jacob says Judah thou art of whom thy brethren shall praise thy hand shall be on the neck of thine enemies thy father's children shall bow down before thee Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet. Till Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Binding his foe on the, unto the vine, and his ass's colt on the choice vine, he washed his garments in the wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. And here, whether they realized it or not, Jacob basically told his sons that Judah was going to be the lineage of where Jesus came from. Remember the phrase, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah is a lion's whelp, it says here. And so it was. That, again, going back to the sin that Judah committed earlier in, in their, back in, way back in chapter 38, it talks about his, his life a little bit. But again, we see God's mercy, God's provision, God's grace. And choosing Judah to be the line in which his son would come. Then in verse 22, talks of Joseph. It says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by, the, by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong. By the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, from thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy fathers, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth underneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the uttermost bound of the everlasting hills they shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that has that was separated from his brethren quite a tremendous blessing Jacob put on his son here and we see how that later on that Ephraim Manasseh and Ephraim were a very had a very large role in the children of Israel settling in, in Canaan. 
the fruitfulness. Just interesting to me how that Jacob was, I believe, the uh, the wisdom that God gave him to give these prophecies to each of his sons because it's exactly, they were, they came as exactly as Jacob had prophesied here for all 12 of his boys. And as he finished that, it seemingly had took about all the energy that he had. And as he finished up, he says, and Jacob had made an end in verse 20, the end, the end of the chapter, verse 33. When Jacob had made an end of the commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet unto the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered, gathered unto his people. Jacob had, had, uh, had made it home. He would guess, he, in chapter 50, was buried with his, with his father and with his grandfather. But here, I believe this was referring to his meeting with his ancestor that had gone before him in paradise. He had lived a full life, 147 years, I believe. He lived to be, and he was gone. Chapter 50, and Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph was there to, to see him. He was there with him at the last. And then in verse 2, he was commanded the physicians to embalm his father, which incidentally that was embalming was was perfected, or actually I believe Egypt was one of the first places that embalming was used many, many thousands of years ago. And verse 3, 40 days were fulfilled for him as to, uh, the days of mourning. I'm sorry, the days of embalming, and then they mourned for him an additional 70 days. Three score and 10 days, the Egyptians mourned for Jacob. So you imagine mourning for, for someone for a little over two months in a, in a it's quite a, quite a difference from our culture today. When the days of mourning, verse 4, were passed, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, if, it, if now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. Pharaoh wasn't satisfied with just letting Joseph go, but he sent a whole lot of people. In verse, yeah, verse 7, Joseph went up to bury his father with him, went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. And the house of Joseph and his brethren and his father's house only their little ones, their little children, and their flocks and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. 
verse 9 gives a... It says, There went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. I have to wonder what the, the Canaanites saw or what they thought when they saw this, this procession. They think they were being invaded by Egyptians. It was a very large group of people. But that's what Jacob meant to these, these people, I believe. They was, he was somebody that they had great respect for. As they were able to, to honor Jacob's wish, they buried him there in Canaan and came back. And now all of a sudden, Joseph's brothers are scared to death again. Now, we're, now we've had it. Jacob, or Joseph is going to, as long as our father was alive, we were okay. But now that he's gone, Jacob's going to have his revenge on us. And when they were so afraid, they actually had a messenger sent to Joseph in verse 16. Saying, they said, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did... For they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of our servant of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. I believe he wept out of maybe a little bit of frustration, possibly, or just the maybe couldn't quite believe that they still hadn't got it. They still didn't realize that what he had told them earlier was true. Verse 18. His brethren also went and fell before him, before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. So they were willing to be Joseph's slaves. They were, they were just... They were willing to do anything to spare their life to this great man of Egypt, the prime minister. Joseph said unto them, Fear not. Don't be afraid. For am I in the place of God? Again, with all the the authority that Joseph had. In all reality, he could have had Potiphar and his wife taken care of back when he became prime minister. He could have had them thrown in prison for doing what they had done to him. He could have taken revenge, even possibly on the butler for forgetting him. But he realized, he knew that vengeance was God's part. If God wanted to take revenge on somebody, that was God's, in God's doing, God's timing. It wasn't Joseph. Joseph had no right to take revenge, and he knew that. 
But as for you, verse 20, you thought to do evil against me. You thought that selling me as a slave down in Egypt, you'd never have to deal with me again. You'd never you'd get rid of me, and that would be that. But God meant it for good, meant, meant it unto good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones, and be comforted, and comforted them, and spake kindly unto them. So the story of Joseph is not really about Joseph. The story of Joseph is about God preserving a people. It's about his keeping his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, protecting them, blessing them, and multiplying them. It's a story of God's grace in enduring hardship. Things that didn't make sense to, from a human standpoint. It's about God's mercy. You know, it's, in all reality, he sh could have struck Jacob's sons dead when they sinned, but he didn't. In fact, he could have struck Jacob dead, but he didn't. The story of Joseph is about preserving. Think about because of God's taking Joseph to Egypt, Judah did not starve to death. David was able to be born because of David's willingness to fight the giant Israel was spared from being slaves to the Philistines and because God provided the ultimate sacrifice in his son Jesus Christ Through, through Abraham's seed, through Isaac's seed, through Jacob's seed, and on down through. It's a story of God working his plan in his way, in his time. So we like to, maybe sometimes we focus on the, you know, the rags, rags to riches part of Joseph's story. That's, that's fun to, to see how that part of it turned out. But that's just a, a, such a small part of, of the bigger picture. Because of God's 
working his plan the way he wanted to we today can experience salvation and it's still available to each one of you each each one of us here tonight it's still available to those around us that aren't here that need to hear that are searching There are many who are uh, experiencing a famine, so to speak, in their lives. And we have, we have the storehouse. In, because of what God has done in our lives, we can provide that food to those around us who are starving. The final couple verses of chapter 50, we see Joseph was able to experience, I believe, a full life with his family. It says he was able to see Ephraim's and Manasseh's children and Again, the, the blessings of grandparenthood. And he lived to be, as it says here, he died at the age of 110. Also securing the promise from his, from his family that they would take his, his body along with them when they left Egypt to Canaan. And he was also buried in Canaan as the Israelites entered the land. God's ways are so much higher than our ways. Let's, by his grace, allow him to direct us in every part of our, our life. Thank you for your attention. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you again for your goodness to us tonight. We thank you for the freedom to be here. Thank you for the, the truth of your word and... Again, the promises that are alive today as much as they were in Joseph's time, the promise that you would work things out according to your will and that all things work together for good. Lord, help us never to forget that, help us to especially remember that in those times when we feel like maybe you're not seeing or hearing or caring maybe. We feel like it's you're distant but again help us to bring us back to those promises that you have given to your children that you will continue to guide as we follow you, even in the dark times. Lord, help us to remember, too, that we're not home yet and that we look forward to the day that we can see you face to face.
and be truly home. Be able to worship you perfectly the way that you would desire, the way that you had meant it to be from the beginning. Lord, we ask a special blessing on our brothers and sisters here at Lakeland that you would continue to guide them as they serve you here in this part of New York and as they get to meet with many people who are hurting, many people who are needing to hear the truth. Give each one of us courage to speak when you prompt us. And to live our lives that the, the heathen around can say, God is with that, that man, that woman, that young, that young man, that young lady. God is directing their lives. Thank you for your spirit that gives us the power to do that. And again, we ask for your protection as we leave this place tonight and as we travel that you would bless us with strength and courage to face a new week. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We have a song.